Welcome to the Gopal and Shaojin podcast, our eighth episode of season one. Um, we have a great show here today for you. Um, we're trying to be more consistent and have a week on a week to week basis. Um, but we're ready to go for another episode. So how's it going, Shai? I'm doing really well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Splendid. It's all really hot in Toronto. <laughs> Literally the dog days of summer. Definitely dog days. It's rough right now. This heat is ridiculous, man. Yep, and <laughs> my AC broke, and finally got it back working the other day. So I'm finally having some decent sleep. <laughs> that that is a first world problem if I've heard it. But yeah, um, <laughs> I know working, bro. <laughs> um, we have a great show. We have a great lineup of art, uh, storylines and topics that we're going to go through today. Um, they give you a little, I guess, a little rundown. We're going to go start with the Blue Jays and MLB update, a little bit of Raptors talk, then some NBA talk regarding NBA players and their podcasts, um, the Le- LeBron narrative that he's trying to pr- uh, push through the next season. Um, and then we're going to tr- uh, transfer over to hockey Talk about the Phoenix Coyote situation, arena situation that could potentially bring another Canadian team to the NHL. And today is August 24th, we're recording on. And what else better to do is give our shout out to the man himself, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, I think everyone's calling it Mamba Day from the rest of our time here. Um, and then we'll go into a little. Um, Miscellaneous items such as the CFL uh, that we were supposed to go to, me and Shai. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and yeah, that's pretty much is our show today. So, so let's get started, Shai. I'll let you take the wheels for our beloved Blue Jays. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's been up and down. What a high when they came home. That, uh, that first homestand had me believing, had me believing. That was a run. Um, since then, one thing that was an issue prior to that big run there when we came home was the bullpen, and that same issue is now rearing its head again. Um, so, so far this year, we're up to 17 games that we have blown when we've had a lead in the sixth inning. Uh, let, even if we had half of those wins, let's say eight of those games we won, we were, we'd be right in the thick of it right now. We'd be in a playoff spot closer to the division. So it's an issue that's ongoing. Um, I do have to, we have to remember that, you know, we picked up a closer last year. He got injured before the season started. Merriweather was showing so much promise at the start of the year. He went down. He's apparently rehabbing now, so hopefully he can come back. But, you know, we did end up, we didn't really have the bullpen we thought we were going to. We've had to piece it together. Something's got to give though, man. You can't have like one of the top five offenses in baseball, have three starters in the top six for ERA for the season and not be in a playoff spot or, or be close. So it's troublesome, but we still got a little time left, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like, yeah, this, that run, that 92 run homestand was great. Like, Oof. that that was just like, you know, you come back, you, and I feel like you come back and you feel on the emotion of the crowd and emotion right. of, like, this whole situation, and you got the 92 record, but then you went out west, and it wasn't as you expected. It was a hard... I guess you got some wins. You got what went three and five on that road trip, three and six. Yeah, 
should have uh, definitely should have been not not good enough. Not gonna not good it. enough. They should be at least over five hundred or five and four. But like, and then just, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Gopa. Oh, like it just that you have to come out if you want. Like in their division, they're like four great teams, and you have to come out over exceed expectations or overachieve in this in this run, right? To yep. leapfrog those teams. Because you're basically playing without a bullpen, as you mentioned, right? Yep. Like, not without a bullpen, but a, a piece-together, makeshift-type rotation, like, bullpen rotation. And um, no confidence when somebody comes out of the bullpen right now. It's just nerves. Um, anytime, that's very uncomfortable because it's such a key piece of the game, especially the way the game's played right now, where yep. starters don't go five, more than five, six innings. Mm-hmm. You're dependent on your bullpen. It's such a key part of the game. And also uh, our hitting, we are, our numbers are amazing. I mean, it's crazy what they're doing, but if you look at our numbers in the latter stages of the game, we are not hitting as well as we do typically in the early stages of the game. That's probably common with all teams because you're getting the specialized pitchers coming in at the back end of the, of the game. Yeah. Um, but still, like, we, we're going to need to come through in those moments too because clearly the offense is going to have to pick up the bullpen. Yeah, definitely, and I, and you see that with some of the starting pitchers. Like you see Robbie Ray going, like going deeper into his into his games because he knows. Like that's what happens with the rotation. They know, and they won't come out and say it, but they know they have to go deeper into their games, right? And yep. T- Charlie Montoya has to manage that as well. Um, it just puts more pressure on the hitting and puts more pressure on the pitching, right? Like the other aspects, right? It has to. It has to. I guess. Everybody feels like they need a compensator. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Compensate for the other weakness. Or now, yeah, the weakness of the of this team, this iteration of the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something they have to address in the offseason. But in this current season, they have to find a way just to be, I guess, fit, like, I don't know, just, just enough. Get enough from your bullpen, right? And I hope, I guess Nate Pearson had some couple of stints in Buffalo. He had two great ones and one so-so one. So I guess they're looking for him to come up um, yeah, he, soon, he sooner nice or later. Guy. He'll be a nice guy for that sixth, seventh inning. Yeah. Um, come in, just pump your fastball. That's your pitch right now. We know that. The hook's decent, but, mm-hmm. you know, like Romano right now, man. Yeah. He's got one pitch. He throws it very well, 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You, and, and he's doing really well. Yo, Romano over the last seven uh, appearances, seven innings pitched, zero earned run. So he's being reliable. Um, Meza, wow, it's shocking how good he's been, mm-hmm. consistently good. Because uh, he was really going to be one of those guys that was on the fringe of the bullpen at the start of the year. He's kind of been really consistent, man. So good to see that. Yeah, and I think um, so. We have four this week against Chicago, the best team in AL, right? Yes. And so, as we spoke about before earlier before the show, um, I believe it would take. We want three of four. Right, I think that should be the goal of the series to get Maybe. pumped up. Like I think these these series against the best team pumps you up, gets you back on that, you know that 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 flow state, that rhythm, yeah. right? And you're playing like high leverage games. You know this is a playoff team. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like you want to get to where these guys are at eventually. So, um, that's yeah, that's my input on this. JC's. I think we'll see who comes. 
I guess, who steps up to the plate or steps up in this indie situation, right? It doesn't have to be Vlad. It doesn't have to be Bobochet, but it has to be a whole total team effort right now, right? Like exactly. a total team. It's not like you, like those other guys carried you throughout the most of the year, but here's where like a random, like the bottom of the order has to pick up. You need contributions from all throughout the lineup, man. You can't expect the big guys to do it every night. Um, like Vladdy, as a 22-year-old, I know he's fallen off definitely the last five, six weeks, but his season is incredible. Um, so we can't, you know, put too much on him. Um, I don't know what's happened with his swing. It just doesn't look like he has that same pop, man. Like, it doesn't sound the same when it comes off his bat right now. Yep. It could just be, yo, he didn't have a long season last year. This is really the first year he's been in shape and he's going through the grind of the whole season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there is that aspect of it. Um, Springer, man, Springer was shot out of a cannon there. Like it was insane what he was doing. His production prorated out over the year. Incredible. But that's like injury after injury, man. That's another thing. Injury is a part of the game, but it also can hinder you in the game, right? Time. You're you're depending on that production. Right. And that, that depth. It hurts because you don't have you can't replace Springer just like that. Right? No, they have to come as a team. Like the energy that he brought too, man. You can see that they were having a great time. You know yeah. what I mean? That's ir- irreplaceable. Like exactly, they, they feel his confidence, right? They feel his aura around the clubhouse. Like he feels like this team can win. So exact that confidence, exactly. Uh, but we'll see in this next couple of weeks. Um, like this next week, we'll give another update on the next show. But like. Yeah, just we're just gonna keep on watching and see what happens, what unfolds during this week, and hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> week, week for the Blue Jays. Um, like it, yesterday, we snuck one out. I love it when we can win a game like that, two-one. That's not a game we we expected to win too many of this year. Games yeah. like that. Um, so that's got to feel good. Vladdy came through late clutch. It was a three-zero pitch. He's been struggling. I'm glad they gave him the green light and he came through. Um, so that was great. And also, Kimbrel's a not a good human being, man. He went cleat first to stop uh, the runner at at the plate last night on that second run. Yeah, that led to serious injury there. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. <laughs> dirty, dirty play. Like I, I, I would throw at somebody today, because that's a complete dick move. Yep, we can. We'll we'll see it today. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Seven oh seven, baby. Let's see what happens. 707. Um, also, want to point out like the Blue Jays' new uh, uh, before we head, head on to the, the next topic the Blue Jays' attendance. Everyone has to be double vaccinated now, right? Yeah, or find COVID test. Yeah, so I guess that's where all organizations are going forward. MLSE um, went first and the Jays yep. followed. Um, Really, I think that like what you should be asking for is a negative test because even with the vaccine, you can still spread it. Yeah. So making sure that everybody tests negative, even if you have the vaccine, is what you should be asking for personally. Um, but it is what it is. And I think it's just cost and economics and like just what's the like it just the just running that system I mean, would be too much. It, it would be a lot. Yeah. yeah. It would be safer, but it'd be too much. But so now and we'll go with the vaccinations for now. So if you are going to a Blue Jays game, that's the new rules. Have the, any game, really. Um, all of MLSC, too. So yeah. TFC, Argos, Leafs, Raptors. Okay. So, so Let's, that's uh, the, the Blue Jays. So now we can move on to 
likely front runner and presumably MVP of the AL, uh, Otani. I think you had a you had a piece on him, and you want to comment on his progress throughout the whole season, what he's doing, and his how's it being impacting Major League Baseball right now. On like first of all, we haven't there hasn't been a player like this. We can't say Babe Ruth because. Babe Ruth played in a completely different era. I'm not going to disparage what he did, but he only played against Caucasian people and only like at that time, and athletes were guys that were farmers, you know, doing part-time jobs and stuff. So they weren't supreme athletes like they are right now. And Shohei's doing it against the world's best, leading the lead in home runs. He's thrown a hundred innings. He got an ERA of two, seven, nine. Um, and he bats lead off most of the time. Like, the game, the other game that he had there, he pitched eight innings and had a, had a, had a home run in that same game as well. It's, uh, it's getting, it's honestly ridiculous what's happening, but it's so great for the game of baseball, man, to have uh, an international star like this. It brings eyes to the product. Yeah, it does, right? He's bringing so much value to the Angels. I think it just... He's like the opposite of Mike Trout. Like Mike Trout's game is great. I get it. But marketing wise, you know, they really struggled to show off, show him off really. With Shohei, it's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. And like, yo, there was a gasp in Detroit when he hit a home run that day in the eighth inning. For opposing player to get that kind of a gasp, like you don't necessarily hear that too often in baseball. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But he's got the entire league's attention right now. It's, it's incredible to watch. I hope he stays healthy, man. Um, Cause if we can get, if we can put like, imagine he has a three to five year run like this right now. Whew. And, it, and there's, yeah, the three to five run year leads to his next contract, right? He's like, how old, I don't know how old is he. I think he's, he's older. Contract. He's like, hmm? yeah. So he, I think he's a little bit older, but he will get one more contract. Yeah. I think um, by 30, that's when his, his contract's up. So, but like, I think angels aren't going to go for that. You know, after they've had the Mike Trout deal, bro, who that's a, that's a heavy check. So I think they'll have reservations about a, a paycheck like that. Oh yeah, definitely. It has to be like that. Um, but who knows what they'll do down the road. Um, they should just try to win while they have these like, two of the two of the best two players in the league, basically, when Trout is healthy too, right? Like two of the top five at any point in time. And you can't make this work. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. It, it is unreal. So like he's leading the league in 40 home runs on the mound, has a 2.79 ERA, 120 yeah. strikeouts. Yeah. Like, like it's no no excuses. If, and when Trout, that's the thing with Trout, man, he can't stay healthy. Now he's got a running partner. Mm. He's got to do his He finally yeah. has a running partner. And yo, we forget Anthony Rendon's in that lineup too. Yeah, that guy's an absolute stud. He's in, they have no excuse, man. They have a deadly three threesome there. Unbelievable how they're so crap. Yeah, it, yeah. That's always be that'll be on Mike Trout's career, right? He's always been like, yeah, his WAR wins above, but plays at eight point one. It just not it like, I guess that's insane. <laughs> for Shohei? Shohei, 8.1. And that's, they put, they put uh, Marcus Simeon as the one lead in the AL with 5.3, but that's like three wins above, like three above. That's insane, like that difference. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just because of games played in, like, uh, I guess whatever the qualifying for that I stat think, is. I think, 
Yeah, because like I think the way they accumulate for a position player and a pitcher is different. Yeah. So he might have a little bit more, but regardless, man, like he's insane uh, what he's doing right now. And I really hope he can stay healthy because this is great for the game of baseball. It's somebody that like him, Tatis, Vladdy. Now you have a young core that you can try to sell with. You know what I mean? To, to get that casual fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, on the, uh, um, on the other end of legendary performances, got to talk about Miggy Cabrera, man. Yes, sir. Miggy. And it happened in the six, in the dome, in Rogers Center over the weekend. Um, That's right. Yeah, you can start off, like, start off on that. Miguel, he's been a Detroit fixture since they were good, right? I believe. He's been there oh, for a yeah. while. So, Miggy started his career in uh, Florida. Yeah. Um, I immediately was a fan of him back in the day, just the way he swung the bat from the right side. Mm-hmm. Guy. And, you, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm partial to guys that hit for average and power. Yeah, he's always a triple, triple crown threat. He actually won the triple crown. Like, we saw a triple crown winner um, in our lifetimes, and that was Miggy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he, so, for me, I always say, Vladdy's peak could be Miggy's peak. And yeah. if he does that, we are so blessed. Oh, yeah, we are blessed. Because I look at his accolades right now. It's, I forgot how, sometimes you forget how good he is. The, the stat you really got to appreciate is the fact that it's, even though as he's gotten older and his average has dropped year to year, yeah. his career average is still 311. Some of the best contact hitters don't hit 311. Yeah. Miggy did that with power. 19 years, man. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's been, it, they didn't get to win a World Series, which is unfortunate in Detroit because they had some they had some dirty teams there. Verlander, Scherzer on the on, yep. in, on the mound. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, his, so he's going to be the if he gets 45 more hits this year, which he can do, uh, he would be the first player in history to, to reach 500 home runs and 3000 hits in the same season. Oh, yeah, he's 45. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Um, and also, if he does get that, like, I think the list of players that have gotten 500 home runs and, and 3,000 hits is like six guys. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, uh, Pujols, A-Rod, mm. a couple other guys. So that's, like, extremely exclusive. So basically, we're seeing the tail end of a legendary career. I, mm. I had to give him a shout-out because I'm a big fan of him. Oh, we had to get a shout-out, man. And it sucks that he was, yeah, he was in Detroit, I think 2016 was. I don't know, like, if they were great or not. Um, but, yeah, he definitely performed for that organization, I think. They, 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 his deal, his big deal was 10, mil, 10 years, 189 mil. I remember mm-hmm. that. Um, so they got their value. That, that's a reasonable number, man. These numbers yeah. now, you're not going to get your value out of it. Miggy, Detroit did well with that one. Yep. I guess. Well, that's congratulations to Cabrera for 500. He had to hit it, in, of course, in Toronto. I think and, that's a... <laughs> um, classy move by the Toronto fans for making him get a curtain call. Oh, that's a very classy move, I think. Very, you, sometimes you always want to hit it at home, but sometimes you hit it on the road and all these milestones, and sometimes you hope the fans give them that, that like, respect, right? For the fans, man the context of what they saw only 28 players in the history of this game have ever done it. And you got to mm-hmm. witness that I do it. That's a story for life. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, man. And also, finally, I just got to talk about the Yankees right now. All right, cool, cool. Oh my God, um, they're on they're on fuego right now. Ten in a row. Uh, they're th- threatening for the division. They've got base. I think they're in the wild card for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know how they're doing it really because you know Rizzo had two home runs in his first two games and he's completely fallen off a cliff. Hmm. Their pitching still doesn't inspire me, but they're finding a way right now. Where are they? One ten and all. And yo, did you hear about the the kid Velasquez that's playing for New York? I know. Well, tell me more about him. Great story. Uh, so he's a kid from the Bronx, fringe player, has bounced around the league, and got picked up by the Yankees because of injury. He's getting to play right now. Okay. And, yo, bro, like his family's from the Bronx. He's staying at his parents' house in the Bronx, sleeping in his childhood room, and mm-hmm. playing for his Yankees. Imagine what that feels like, bro. That's insane. Yeah, man. It, it's a good story. He had his first home run, I think it was yesterday, and his family was crying in the stands. The, the human part of sports is what I really love. Yeah, like those stories are cra- like crazy, like fringe players just trying to make it into the the show, and right, yeah. and then they're like living at home, like they're living on like they're not like they don't have the money, right? They're living on just borrowed time, like borrowed. Like, Every day in the game is a gift. Yeah. So um, that's crazy to hear. Like he lives at his like childhood home, like childhood home, childhood bed, and then goes to games and like performing. Like that's just that's a, that's a crazy story, right? And then that's the human element of it is like that's what every kid wants, right? <laughs> it's like that. Just um, but that one makes these teams great. Like these storylines that make up a team, right? Like where they come from. Um, and there's a sect of people in the pop in the general population when they hear a story like this they're going to be more inclined to tune in you know what i mean yeah you can capture some casual fans this way as well right and he must be a celebrity back home, like wherever oh, he, like the bronx right it would so, be bro he must be living good right now yeah he filled in for glaber torres um yeah that's crazy um and good for him and um, but they look like they're ten and zero. That's crazy. Like, what was it? Most of the Red Sox. Who did they play? They played. Uh, yeah, they've taken down a couple of playoff teams. Um, and yes, I think they've secured their playoff spot. Yeah, it is. Seattle passed us. Mm-hmm. And we got a three-game series against Oakland early next month as well. So that one's going to be really big for us. Yeah, and they have they have Oakland coming up. The Yankees have Oakland coming up too. So it, it could be some flip flop around the standings. Or um, we need stage, we need at this stage we need Yankees to win. <laughs> like um, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. All right. So so if you are watching the scoreboard, watching for all you baseball lovers, we need Yankees to beat Oakland in this upcoming weekend series. <laughs> uh, exactly. Cheer for the uh, the Evil Empire. All right, so I think that's our covers our MLB portion of the show, um, and I just feel, yeah, clash a game of Blue Jays or, and enjoy this one week, and we'll see where we are next week. Um, moving on to the National Basketball Association, um, there has been big news in August 
regarding our beloved Toronto Raptors, our hometown team. Masai Ujiri is re-signed for the next, I'm not sure how long, but it says a multi-year deal. So I assume it's probably roughly around four to five years. Um, and he's been upgraded to vice chairman. Uh, I'm not sure what that means for him within the organization, but I believe it just means more power, more power to do what he wants to do or influence on whatever, I guess, outside of the, the job, NBA job that he has, general management duties for, like I guess, Giants of Africa, whatever. I guess he just got more power um, with his contract negotiations. And I think it was... We were waiting for a long time for this to happen. I think the uncertainty kind of made us feel like, you know, the Raptors aren't going anywhere if Masai leaves, and I still believe that. Without Masai, I don't think it would be a big setback for this organization. I think he's one of the greatest GMs in the league, and he's such a, I guess, known GM throughout the league. I think he's the only, I think, one of three African-American GMs in the league, and but he is the only one that has decision decision making power um and it's great and he said in his uh conference that i'm not gonna care if this guy doesn't want to come here free agency or whatever my a competitive advantage is my development program we're going to draft people develop them and we're going to win another championship um is that that's the format that he's going banking on and i the way he was um Put it in that conference. I truly believe him. He's just one of those guys that has. He speaks from the heart. He speaks from like what he actually feels, and not just yeah, like um, the, gib- like yeah. not gibberish, not like just say you it for the sake of it. Think, um, you can't. He's genuine. Yeah, the thing he truly believes in. Um, he's proved that man. I liked what he opened with that. Like if you watch the press conference, man, he was mentioning that you know, also growing globally. Um, you know, like the Raptors now are a marketable brand. A title validates you guys. We're still riding off that high for sure. Mm-hmm. This is an excellent time to take this team's brand even further, build it elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like in China, the superstars are big there, right? Let's yeah. make the Raptors one of those teams that they identify with as well. It makes sense for us to do that. If you know our demographics here, huge Asian population. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he was um, pointing to with that. Number one. Number two, man, remember when Kawhi came, he's like, guys, we need to stop that. You know how, like, some people feel down about themselves? They don't feel good, like, I'm not well, good enough. Yeah, that like, was- Toronto always had the inferior complex where if this guy comes, he's not going to stay or he doesn't like it, like, it's too cold or whatever. Right. Like, they don't want to come here, right? Exactly. It's just a place they want to stop. And we feel like it's great. We're like, what's wrong with us, right? That, that's, yeah, carry on. When you're yeah, that's, and Masai had to drill that point home with Kawhi. He left, cool, but it's like, yo, if you don't want to be here, then I don't want you. That's the status I want for my franchise, and that's what he believes in. Yeah. Like, yo, if you don't believe in me, that's okay, no problem. You're lost. You know what I mean? Good luck elsewhere. Yeah. He, he wants guys that want to be here and want to work. I think that's the reputation of this franchise, right? Yep. You yep. got Fred, you got Pascal when Kyle Lowry was here. He, 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 he put that challenge to Kyle. Like, if you want to be here, you got to want to be here, right? It can be like half, half in, half out. Um, and he's just a great leader. I, think, I don't know, like in terms, not even in terms of basketball and great leader in terms of like. Advice, life advice. Life advice, right? How to carry yourself. Yeah, like how to carry yourself, believe in yourself. Like he just, 
makes you pumped up. And I like, I don't know. I wish he was my boss. But like, he so wants you to see best. when he speaks, man. Like, yo, all the all the highs and lows of Raptors Twitter before we knew he was coming back with the moves that were happening, with players signing elsewhere, with the draft, it, it was like so much chaos. Cause and it all came back to we didn't know what Masai was doing. You know what yep. I mean? Once we knew the Masai was staying, now everybody's like, okay, cool. He obviously has a plan in place. Let's just let him be. He's earned that clout. We have to see it through. I think, yo, bro, it's pretty obvious what he's doing. He wants to have a positionless type of roster. I'm going to have long guys that can switch any position. Yeah. That's what they're going to be. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, I think that's what Nick Nurse always wants. He prides himself on, I think that's what the NBA is going towards, right? Switching on everything. I think a lot of NBA player podcasts, they talk about that right now, or the old heads always talk about that. Now, today, this league is all about switching. It's switching uh, sc- like screens, right? Back in the yeah. day, you had to go over the screen and match up. Exactly. But, uh, now you want to have guys that are able to slip under and go cover whoever. It shouldn't matter who they're on. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, and that's the newer trend now. And, he, and he's also, he, he understands that, man, this is a reactionary league. If you can find a way to set the trend, mm-hmm. then you're going to be the first one to get success. Then others will follow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, because Golden State went with that five, small, small five, right? Small ball. Shooters. And shooters, with shooters surrounding um, one center. Like, it was Bogut's yep. first to start, right? And then, and then everyone went small. Like, yeah, the Golden State lineup of death was, what, Iggy, Harrison Barnes, Steph Curry, uh, Clay. Clay Thompson, and Dre, Draymond, yeah. right? So and Draymond the five, yeah. Then everyone said, how do you beat the Golden State Warriors? You go small, right? And people tried to play their game, but couldn't emulate that success. So hopefully nope. what Masai is doing, it hasn't been seen yet, but if it does work, huh, I think it's, I think it will, I think it will work. I just, the only thing, what gets me is that they got a Pascal, OG, and Scotty, whoever, they got to work on their shooting though. Like, you could be defensively great, you still got to score. Still got to um, score. And, and the way that the offense runs right now, you, you need your guys to be able to shoot. Um, like, our, the team that we're building right now, it's going to be really dependent on being able to capitalize on open threes. Open threes and, you know, on first to uh, pace. And push the pace and fast break points, which we have great guys for. We have Pascal, we have um, Scotty. Like, they look like those guys are like you score in transition, right? We were one of the best transition teams um, in the past two years. So, I don't know. I, I like where it's going. We'll see what Masai and Bobby Webster do. Um, we'll see what we get back for Dragic. Um, I think I don't think Dragic is not long for uh, his time in Canada. I think he will get traded to Dallas. Um, we'll see what package we get from them. I heard it's Moses Brown or Dwight Powell. Uh, but we'll see what Masai does. He's not a dumb man. He'll get he'll he'll get the most out of that trade. He's not just gonna buy him out and let him go. Like he's no. not gonna do that. No, he he's gonna use that asset to get something. Whatever it is, we'll take. Um, I would at this. Yo, I'll say this about Dragic: people are jumped all over him. That's a gamer, man. He's not gonna not play if he's here on opening night, and he's not gonna not try hard. He's gonna give it his all. So people need yeah. to relax. He's still a contributor. So let and he he should understand too. It makes sense for him to play well even before he gets traded so that his next contract he can get paid on. Right. So I'm not, I don't, I don't have an issue with holding on to him opening the season with him. 
and then see what we can get at the trade deadline as well. Definitely. Man. You don't know nothing. Dragon is similar. Like, you're not at Kyle Lowry level, but he's similar player, right? He can get he can get three or 60 million if he really wanted to. If, yeah. Like, they're the same age. So, um, yeah, it's up to him what he wants. Um, I think Raptor Twitter got too involved when he said, Raptors, I want to go to championship team. Right yeah. now, Raptors aren't a championship team. You got to, like, the message was pride. Like, he's a veteran player that wants to win. Yeah, uh, how he delivered the message was taken the wrong way, and and then Raptors Twitter just reacted way too harshly. Um, like it was it was an overreaction for sure. But it you know I get the sentiment from them being upset, but like listen, all he's trying to say is listen, this franchise right now it's kind of in a transitionary That's state. It. Yep, I got I got I only have a few years left. I got to win. Yep, that's it, man. Like, but yeah, besides building something, uh, what I see from summer league. Let's transition over to summer league performance. They were four and one, a lot of great games. Um, I was really surprised about the the Rexdale kid, uh, Banton, and he played really well. I know just against summer league talent, but like he stepped up, he hit his threes, he played defense. That could be a steal too. And I think Masai pointed it out. If he stayed longer, he would have went up higher in the draft next year. But he got he went into the draft this year, so he got drafted in the second round. So. Yeah. I, I, maybe the Raptors are onto something. Maybe they're getting people a year ahead early and letting them develop in their in system the, first the, rather the, than ex- the yo, college system. Why, why would you not do that, right? right? We have this G League team, so let him adjust to the pro game. It's not the pro game, but like the, it's the NBA level game when you play in the G, G League. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So learn getting into condition for playing in the NBA. Also, it's going to be the Raptors system when they go to the G League. So that's one year development in our system. Um, you're going to have the nutritionists, all those guys working with him as well from our team. It just makes sense to have him develop with us and not college. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I and mean, you can see that more in the NBA. You can see that more coming in right now in the industry, in the NBA landscape, because the G League Ignite, Ignite you saw Jalen Green. Three and, of the first six draft picks, man. I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's, it's a high number came from the G League, right? And they're showing that, and because NCA doesn't pay you, so G League yeah. pays you. So, what is the better option, really? For you, exactly. Right, like NCA is not like. I guess you get to play in the March Madness and all that, like college type atmosphere. But it's up to you, the preference. You get money, and then. This yo that decision when the G League when they said you can go to the G League um out of high school mm-hmm. that's gonna have long term implications man I think this year was the start of more players choosing to go that way like more and more guys going mm-hmm. that way um because yo if like listen if you have, if you're just trying to go for one year to college why don't you just go start making money right um, it just yeah. makes sense man that summer league uh, anything note that you saw in summer league I, I like I like the energy that Barnes bought I mean. I don't like that the first thing I pointed out that I noticed was his energy, but he's got a spring, man. He's ready to go. I can see that he's going to work hard. Um, Malachi, you, I, I think he's going to have a big year next year, man. I think he's going to take a big step next year. I think, um, yeah, Malachi was one of uh, very um, bright spots, I thought. I think yeah. he's playing well in the Seattle program. And uh, it's like he's Isaiah Thomas's boy. And I just saw him like he's been killing it. Like, and I think you saw that in the summer league where he, you see, like he's 
aggressive. He hits the jump shots. And, so uh, Malachi has now reached this phase where when he's playing with guys like this, the end of the bench guys, you can see he's a step above. Yeah. How is he going to do with regular minutes against the regular guys in the NBA, the, the top eight rotation? That's where he needs to make a step. Um, and only way you do that is repetition, man. So I think he'll be decent next year. But you, yeah. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. over-under set at 36.5 for the Raps. What do you think if you were going to put a number on it? Over-under 36.5 on his current edition of the Raptors, right? So I would say they would fall. They go over, but I think it'll be a little, roughly around 40 to 42 wins. I don't think. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be a six or seven seed um, with the current iteration. Uh, yeah, as is. Because they did still, like, they, I, I feel like they still haven't addressed the big issue uh, unless they go positional. Like, Ken Birch is great. Um, it, it's just something they may have to address through trade and through dragage. Or you need still need, like, a, I don't know, maybe they're playing differently. Nick Nurse has a system that might work without uh, like a big I can only imagine Nick Nurse running a system with Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka like I haven't seen him run anything with a smaller big true right yeah like yeah with and like Boucher and Birch are basically our bigs right now yeah um but yeah we'll see I, I, I agree though I think dude when you have uh, a core of Fred Siakam and OG as as your three guys your mm-hmm. primary if OG needs to see, I need to see OG play like 70 games this year, man. Yeah, I need to see him to like step up and play more, like be a consistent, like, you know, be a consistent guy. Like, you know what he's going to bring. Exactly. Like, like yeah. I've always feel like on and off, like eight exactly. points to 20 points. You'll go 24 points on seven of eight shooting from three. Yeah. Uh, you'll go O of nine. You know what I mean? Like, can't have that. Cannot have, especially you know, at the start of the year, we're not going to have Siakam, right? So, yeah. That's why I said 40 to 41. I'm like, there's going to be a struggle at the start of the season. For sure, man. It, it, you know what, though? I'm looking forward to it, man. It's been a while since um, we've had a team now that you want to root for the guys. You want to see them get better. better That's what yeah. we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, we haven't been there in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this stage is exciting in its own way, man. Yeah, because like last year was the first time we've seen it, right? We yeah. knew that they weren't going to play, so it kind of... Rooting for Bembry or rooting for Utah, one one hobby. Exactly, exactly. Um, you want to see some nice development from the guys. Yeah, um, and that's okay. It, it peaks and valleys, man. But we can turn this around. I'm, I'm not. It, it's not a full rebuild, yo. There's still talent here. Yeah, it's gonna be like if they're Masai's version of his rebuild, right? He's working yeah. with the second set of guys, which is Pascal, Fred, and OG. Right? This is their time. You know, exactly. you always see that meme with Kyle Lowry, the old guy, and then yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. their time now. This is Fred's yeah, team. This is Turtles, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. It's still a, what, a month away from training camp, so um, a, lot of, a lot of decisions need to be made from now and then. Um, so moving on, um, I guess we're going to go to more NBA-focused landscape. I think Draymond launched his podcast called Chips. He had a sit-down interview with Kevin Durant and... Um, they went through many assortment of topics, um, like such as well, why does Kitty have a kid, or uh, the the main thing when they discussed about was the fight and the altercation against the Clippers that year uh, in two thousand nineteen. Um, yeah. Draymond and Kevin put the blame or put the onus on ownership 
on how they were handling it. Um, personally, I think that's kind of, I guess, whack, I guess. It's just like you guys fought. Like you guys, you guys had your beef and you guys had your problem. Own up to it. Don't like put the organization, even though the organization's fault for how they handled it, it's still up to you two to get, you two grown men. You can talk to each other, right? Off that, like eventually. Um, so in, in the regular workplace, man, uh, when you start trading with any company, they tell you, listen, if you have a disagreement with your colleague, you try to sort it out with them first. Yes. Before you go anywhere else. You're grown ass, man. It happened. It was obvious. Everybody saw what happened at the time. For you to, in hindsight, go back and say, oh, management, that's BS. Grow up, take ownership. Like, I, that was a nonsense answer. But did you expect anything different from the two people that were partaking in this conversation? No, yeah, it's true. Kevin Durant always had with his narrative, like, he's not at yeah. fault. Like, he always said, I'm not at fault. And then uh, Draymond always says, Media is always against me. Well, I don't know why the media says all these things, but like, Draymond, sometimes you got to admit that you you were at a, you were kind of the problem for this. Um, not even kind of the problem. They, like, you made the play, and Kevin Durant didn't like it. You guys have to resolve that issue. Like, uh, like in that in, in that instant, right, in against the Clippers. But to keep on t- discussing it, like, I guess Draymond gets feels ways when he says Katie left because of him, right? But yeah, Katie. Yeah, yeah. Katie was leaving anyway because he always felt like an outcast on that team. Like he That's, felt like he, he was a hired gun just to beat LeBron, right? In which he was. You know what? Uh, KD, KD is the ultimate winner in all this, bro. Yeah. He went in and he accomplished exactly what he needed to on that team. Mm-hmm. Multiple titles, multiple finals MVPs. Yep. Now what he's trying to do is now he can say he's leading the, a team by, by going there with, I mean, he still has a big three, sure. But KD is the big dog there, no question. Yeah, he's the main dog on that team. So he's going to want to win there, win one there. And if he does, he'll be talking a lot of crap. I'm here for it. I, you know, I, I like KD. Um, I like that he talks shit. I like that he's petty. He's a good man for all those reasons. And anybody that comes to me with buddy joined Golden State, he wouldn't have if LeBron didn't first. So those are my thoughts. Yeah. LeBron showed the way for that. The, like, there's no discussion on that. Like, LeBron went there. He couldn't win by himself. Nope. Or, like, yeah, he needed help. Right, so he went to his buddy Dwayne Wade, got Chris Bosh, and they won. Katie got recruited by Draymond after that collapse against LeBron. Yep, I think Draymond and Steph, and they knew they couldn't. If Katie doesn't come, I think LeBron has a couple more, or one more in that range of the four. Uh, yeah, of those finals. Of those finals, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's what it is, and then I think. What I like about all these podcasts that are certainly popping up right now is that we have a lot of content content to consume, right? So we would not know this stories or anything about KD without these podcasts. So um, I think which ones have been good? Like JJ Redick has been good. You get the you know the white guy <laughs> of like the shooter uh, narrative, and then you got Duncan Robinson as well making his own thing. Um, Vince had one for a bit too. Yeah, with one I had with the girl, uh, I think all the wing podcast or something like that uh, on the ringer. Um, and obviously all the smoke with Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. I think that became, it was good at like, for me, it kind of like went a little Hollywood. But I guess yeah. Because it, it got bigger, of course, but the beginning of it, like they talk about everything uh, and they usually get a lot of input or like sound bites that you never really 
would get from a normal reporter or writer asking those questions, right? So I think we're in a great the podcast or player empowerment era or controlling your narrative era. Um, and You're building a uh, brand there, really. Yeah, um, building a brand, yeah. Yeah, they're able to, you know, they're able to give you insight into things that maybe you saw on TV, you know, situations that occurred and now you're, you're learning backstories. And it also kind of humanizes them, man, because they're just talking, you know, when they're talking with their buddies, like it's, uh, it's, it's cool to listen to it. I love listening to athletes uh, share stories as well um, from their experiences in the league. Yeah, man. And like, I think I watched Jermaine O'Neal and he was like talking about a mouse in the palace with a, an older smoke. And he's just saying that it was just a, uh, he was just sad that it was for Reggie's last year, right? Like that was Reggie Miller's last year. And he said that all that crap happened. Like he's the one he wanted to apologize to. Like it's just like all the emotions. Reggie and J.O. Uh, were most impacted by the malice at the palace. Yeah. Um, truthfully. I know you haven't watched it yet, but definitely check it out, man. Yeah. Um, like, Jermaine Jer- Jer- O'Neal was like saying that he was still important just fighting legal battles still throughout the season right so um it's crazy i'll watch them out if you guys uh, don't know what i was talking about the mouse and the palace documentaries on netflix um watch it i'll watch it maybe i'll talk about it on next podcast and see what my um uh insights into that and remarks and feedback regarding that um but speaking of narratives um the greatest player or not the best player in the league anymore. Uh, LeBron James has come out this past summer in the dog days of August or the slow, the slow music, uh, slow news cycle time to discuss that he is a washed King. Um, and he's coming out, coming for everyone this coming season. Um, and I don't know. I'm not about controlling your narrative. Like I'm not about, you know, pushing, uh, uh, a narrative that is kind of not you, but if you're whatever floats your boat, right? Whatever gets you going. So I think LeBron is, yeah, he's pushing it. He's saying he's a wash king. Listen, a few things. If you were, if you really wanted us to believe that uh, you're the wash king and you're going to come for us next year, the second you walked off the court and you went to the locker room after your first round matchup, you would have said right then and there, I'm coming for you guys next year. My guy had to wait till they went and got Russell Westbrook, loaded up the roster with veterans, and now you come back and say, oh, we're coming for you. I'm coming hard. Yo, get out of town. Like, maybe I'm thinking through this out loud. Maybe he's, that's how he's getting the motivation to get excited 18 years into the league, maybe. But yeah. you kind of say that you're an underdog and you got to come prove yourself, like, with that team that you've accumulated now. Mm-hmm. It's laughable. It's laughable. It is like, yeah, you got to stop that. Like that would, yeah, he'll have to stop that. That's his narrative that he's trying to push and that's fine. But that's what he's going to be. The stuff that you put out, that's what you're going to be evaluated on. Or um, what's the word? Viewed upon. Just be ready smoke if you're going to say that kind of nonsense. Yeah, right. And uh, it just just boggles my mind because he's such a, like, I, I honestly think he's a great player. I think he's what? Top top five at mo- like at, at least like he's in there, top three, you can put him in there. Like he's one of the best players ever to play this game. I'll never say he's not, um, but 
is this is what hurts them sometimes with the, with the general public or general NBA uh, public. All right. Um, yeah. But we'll see. He has Russell Westbrook. He's training right now. Um, let's see. Then in a month time, who else they might get? <laughs> it's like five, hall of, five, five old Hall of Famers. Yeah, by the time um, the trade deadline comes by and it's buyout season, they'll definitely add there as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, they always um, have. They always do. Uh, any any team that LeBron is on does that which because yeah. it changes every year where he plays. So, you know, I can't say one team, but wherever mm-hmm. LeBron is, the buyout market is important for him. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But again, in the league right now, that collection of players on that roster right now, it's going to be tough. So we'll see what happens. Yep, it's gonna be tough. Um, well, yeah, Lake Show, <laughs> and then so let's right now let's move on to our national game or not our national game, one of our beloved games, winter sports games. I know it's summer, it's hot, it's heat, um, but it's it's kind of ironic. We're talking about a, a team that's located in a desert that's trying to relocate um, or trying to find an arena to play in. It makes it kind of it's kind of funny. That a team in the Arizona, uh, the Phoenix Coyotes, they're having a currently having a legal um, complications of playing in their home arena right now. I believe the lease is up, um, and there's been talk. Of the NHL has been talk about maybe relocating. Like this is like a similar situation to Atlanta Thrashers had a couple, I think a couple years ago or ten years ago. I guess I don't know how long Winnipeg has been there. Um, uh, they're having trouble with the lease. They're looking at temporary homes, one in Tempe, Arizona, or one. Uh, Robert Sarver says he's not going to build any ice in his Amer- uh, the Phoenix Arena, the Phoenix where the Phoenix Suns are playing. These called American Airlines. I can't, can't remember. Um, the, right now, Quebec Quebec City is, has a stadium ready, the Coliseum, the Colise. And they're ready to pounce on this opportunity. I think they should, and um, but I don't think Gary Bemman is going to do, go for it because um, he's trying to push, keep his legacy of American teams in the South Belt um, succeeding. We're having succeeding, teams. right? Like, uh, and I think NHL and NBA were once equivalent. I think once NHL went. Through this American expansion phase, and they try to be like, try to be like um, the NBA, like in those those markets. Um, but it didn't like. I think it didn't come about right. It didn't. Um, how would I say it? They didn't make any money off it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, the uh, okay, I'll liken it to you this way: the NBA is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. NHL is the DC Cinematic Universe. Hear me out. Boom. NBA <laughs> sat down years ago and said, listen, we're going to build this brand. We're going to go heavy marketing worldwide. We're going to get TV rights all over the place. We're going to allow the players to be who they are. NHL did none of that. So if you look at the growth of the NBA in the last 20 years compared to the NHL, look at the DC and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the same thing. One has absolutely taken off and one is floundering. So it's on them. They messed up. But like, wouldn't you think having a rabid fan base in Quebec City who is waiting, waiting for hockey, right? They have 
they may not have the the fine the funding like the big bank owners or big funded owners as yeah the Americans do, but they do have a hockey mat industry like fan base. You have also the maritime that are, I guess, it's not that far from Quebec City. Not at drive. all. Quebec and, City will become the uh, the furthest city team east. You know what I mean in Canada. Yeah, and I don't. I, it makes business looks perfect business sense to have a Canadian team that wants to have hockey, that likes hockey, that that province that produced so many hockey players. It just makes not mind boggling that that they don't do it. Not only that, but, man. Like, so I remember when they were coming back to Winnipeg and they were, you know, looking at the demographics and how much corporate money is there. It made sense when the Jets left Winnipeg in the mid eighties, because there was not corporate money much there. Yeah, there wasn't. Winnipeg city, was a smaller yeah. city, right? Much smaller. Now there is corporate dollars that are willing to invest in the team. Same situation with Quebec city. They have grown over the last 30 years. Yeah. So they would be able to support it. Batman will not let Batman will go anywhere else. And you know, I get it. The American dollars, there's just more money to be made in any American city compared to any city outside of Toronto and Canada. Yeah. You're going to make more elsewhere in the state. I totally agree with that. Yeah. But he's a, like the, the city of Glendale is not wanting to move forward on a lease. No. Like that's weird. That's interesting. There's got to be something going on there, man. It's money, right? It's like they're, they're in tr- charge of this, right? Um, they tried everything, <laughs> right? This, yeah. this, I, don't, I don't know how Phoenix, how long Phoenix Coyotes have been there or Arizona Coyotes, I'm sorry. Um, they had the Wayne Gretzky era. Um, oh, yeah. They, it, but the thing is, it's easier to relocate for a Canadian team to absorb a team for expansion. Gary Bennett will never expand to a Canadian city. He will either yeah. relocate a team. And I, yeah. I heard that. On, I read that, that about... Right, it makes sense, right? It's cheaper, um, and um, I think they're saving Houston. I think the Houston is the another city they're going forward, and they want the expansion fee, so which is roughly around seven hundred million or something about it, or seven hundred. Not the cost of. They do it, man. So, it it they might like all this talk could be like moot if Kyrie just like you know extend their lease, but. Um, now I just want to bring that up. It's like it's a great story to follow right now. Um, it's, and, and it's a story, uh, story to follow here, especially because, like, the thinking long term, if um, Matthews's contract up is, I think, in two or three years, yeah. Um, so I mean, dude, he, he's a Phoenix guy, he, he loves that area. Think about what would it, what it would mean for the city, the franchise, and like get, Batman would be the happiest guy in the league if Matthews went home, because that would mean that he can push one of the best players in the league in their prime in in a city that he has mm-hmm. just wanted to succeed. Right. So yep. we should be really interested in what happens with them. Um, who knows? We'll see. There's still time, but it's going to be interesting. But if you know, if a team like Houston, if a city like Houston can get them agreed to come out for one year. Uh, play there temporarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. See what the money looks like there and potentially go there. We'll see. Like, I, I think they need a temporary home. They, I, need, they need, I think they need a trial. That's what, it's unfortunate, but that's what they may have to do. Ad, audition for a team. Um, but yeah, that's what I just wanted to point that out. Um, 
that's interesting. That, yeah, that's that's our NHL segment of this pod of, of the dog days of summer. Dog days of summer. We're talking about de- a desert hockey, a team that plays in the desert. <laughs> so, that's what I'm fine. Mountains are north of the border, so right. Uh, so obviously, we're recording on Mamba Day. It's August 24th today. Um, uh, one of our, um, I guess, I think for both of us, a, ch- a child, like as ch- children, we looked at like our, one of our favorite athletes or has become one of our favorite athletes today, um, Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, I think all of us on social media, IG, Twitter, sharing stories. There's a lot of articles out today, I guess. You all should read, go out and read him if you're like a big sports sports fanatic. Um, I think Shy. I think we should discuss uh, what is our what does Kobe Bryant mean to you? What is a favorite story that resonates from you? Um, and yeah, I think we should talk about Kobe Bryant, and that's what we should do. That's what we'll do right now. Uh, I'll let you go, Shy, first. Uh, sure. As as we know, Kobe is one of my favorite athletes of any sport, period. Um, you know, I, I was 11 when he entered the league. And we didn't, you know, you didn't see too much uh, of what's going on with the other teams in the league. But the Lakers were one of those teams that they were covering. You know what I mean? So I was following the Raptors for sure. But I was also always following this kid, Kobe, because I remember in his first dunk off, like just the way he carried himself, man. I like I liked the confidence that he had. Uh, and mm-hmm. the way the game, obviously, what, the Raptors weren't so successful in the early years. So once playoff time rolled around in those early years, 2000, Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. And I always migrated to Kobe. I've been a fan of the way he plays the game. He's a bull. He's just tenacious out there. And then the transition, like, so that will to win to, at any cost, not caring if he misses 15 million shots, still being willing to take that last shot because you're the best player on the court and that's your team. That is something that uh, it's going away now. Um, so that mentality I, I loved about Kobe, but additionally, when we got to see him mature and become the old elder statesman in the league and take time to spend time with younger players, like you heard so much from Booker over, uh, in the playoffs this year about how Kobe reached out to him and said, yo, come up, chill, chill with me in the back while he was icing his legs down after the game, mm-hmm. you know, the young Kobe Bryant, you didn't hear that story, but he understood he was maturing. His time was limited and guys looked to him like he looked at Michael, you know, and we saw that maturity, man. And that I, I really respect about him. Um, so that's Kobe for me. I mean, there's so many moments basketball wise that you can talk to. Um, I was fortunate enough to see him three times, man, all in Toronto. And like, those are some of the best experiences, right? Just being able to see him live. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he had some great games against us. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Everything like it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just he's somebody that I a lot of the things that uh, he he would speak about I, I use in in my own life as well. How I carry myself and whatnot. Um, so his impact for me is not just I'm not just a fan of him as a basketball player. I was also a fan of the human being that he was um, and the growth that he showed over his life. You know, there were mistakes, and you know, he had to go through all those things in his life. In the mm-hmm. public eye, you gotta factor that in, right? How hard that must be. At a young age, too, right? He started at a young those... age, exactly in LA, like you're the center of attention. So must have been hard as hell, man. But just really respect him. Hope he's 
resting easy at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think with me is a different, like it's a, I think that commercial, I think Kobe Bryant had, it was, you either hate me or love me, right? It was mm-hmm. hate me or love me. Like it, first start I would hate, no, no, actually first I, I like Kobe. I'll give you like his early years when he started on the, uh, he's a rookie at the four air balls. Like who's this guy coming up? Cause I used to follow the Lakers before Kobe and Shaq came. Cause you know, we didn't have a basketball team, right? We had, we had a, like Damon Stoddard and Marcus Camby and you know, all those teams. But yeah. I used to follow the ball, like, you know, I guess 93, 94, we know Shaq's like coming up, coming up on the come up with Orlando. Orlando. Um, yeah. So with Lakers, I knew like I was a Nick, big Nick Van Exel fan, an Eddie Jones fan, mm-hmm. like those, those up and coming teams under Del Harris. And then yeah. this kid came, like Kobe Bryant came up and then I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Like he has a dunk. And then, I think it was the uh, 96 slam dunk competition when he came out with the warm-up Seven, um, in Cleveland. And I think what resonated with me was just, it was so different. Like, you know, when you watch like the other dunk, other dunk contests is like, is more like they're more proper, more like, you know, they dunk it, no swag, no nothing. Like this, like this guy was just like, he came in, he came in, he had the bounce and everything with his bald head. And then, like, it, the irony, like, he came in a, in a bald head, he left with a bald head. But <laughs> it's like, uh, like, he came with that swagger, had a dunk contest, did it through the legs. You know how many times I tried to do it through the legs? I still cannot till this day do a three through the legs layup. Because it's, like, it's so hard. <laughs> For me, it's hard. But, like, it took me forever. And so after that, I tried to go get his, it's Kobe shoe. So I got the, the last one he ever had with Adidas. It was $39.99 on sale at National Sports. And rest in peace, National Sports. We don't see you anymore. Uh, he went out of business. Um, Canadian iconic business. Yes. I can't believe that was, I was there for like, that's been there for like 25 years. But uh, th- those shoes, those, I think you probably know it. It's a space boot. And to oh, yeah. this day, now, since I'm older, I appreciate that he could play in those shoes. I took yeah. those shoes to grade nine, grade 10 basketball trials, played in them. Worst tryout ever I had. I couldn't run yeah. with them, whatever. It's so damn heavy. They so, looked heavy, yeah, man. Yeah. So, what resonated with me is just that, like, that's the bottom. Like, he had these bad shoes that this company gave him, and he made it work. <laughs> like, he just I mean, found ways yeah, to make yeah. it work, right? Like, then obviously he went to Nike afterwards, but uh, what? And then, so that after that moment, after I bought his shoe, I'm like, I hate this guy. And then that's when the Raptors were on the come up with, you know, Vince Carter, those early Raptor teams. Um, and Vince Carter was on, on that time, he was on par with Kobe. And then always sparked that debate, would you trade Vince Carter for Kobe? And I would always be like, nah, I'm not trading Vince Carter for Kobe. Vince Carter's like, like the man. But then afterwards, like, you know, you realize that Vince Carter didn't have that, you know, that same work ethic as Kobe. Like all those, all those, all those stories that come out later. Yeah, go ahead. You just said it, man. Like that was it for me. Like Vince being here uh, ended up leading to me being a bigger Kobe fan because yeah. while Vince was just riding high on his ability at the time, no knock on him, man. He was, you know, he just didn't work as hard as Kobe did. You already started hearing stories about Kobe working out at four in the morning, 
back at that age when he could have been out partying in LA, winning titles, still in the gym. Vince didn't have that, man. And that just endeared me even more to Kobe. You know, somebody that's willing to work, even though the skill, like they had the ability, they worked at it, but he just never stopped working, bro. And like, that's something that we should all apply in our own lives. You know what I mean? Never stop working. And I, I think what resonates also Kobe is just that he plays through injuries. I know it's like now it's, you know, it's full power to play through injuries. Like that's not the era that we live in, but he played through some bad injuries. Like the one where he broke his thumb, I believe, on a shooting hand. Or broke his hand. I can't remember the one. The picture you always see on on social media when he's he has a glove and he's shooting with his left hand, right? Yeah. Like he plays with a bad injury. He didn't even talk about that till after the game. And then you know the torn Achilles, bro. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, but don't you forget? Like I don't know if you've read his book yet. I think all of us should read his book. It's a short read. Um, it's that that the ring finger. Um, he can't bend it at all. Like, I think I can't remember where he heard it. It was in one of those finals. It was a shooting finals when he passed the Ronard test. That year is where yeah. he had severe pain. Um, so, like, he shows that his, I guess, his resiliency and his will to win is, like, like that's where he got, he got it from Jordan. And, like, that's his, like, you know, and also that he's, that's what he brought to the table, right? He built that up for himself, like. I need to do this, need to do this, need to do this. That will make me succeed in this game, right? Exactly. And, and he'll put in the work. He says, I'm going to work out at this time, break, work out at this time, work out at this time. Then he broke it down again. I can get more time if I do this, this, this. And like... And you know, he was quoted as saying once, like, if you can fall in love with all the tedious, painful, all the work that needs to go into what makes you great at your job, then, you know, you're in the right place. Like, as long as you have that mindset, you should keep doing what you do. Once you lose that will to do all the hard stuff, maybe your time's coming up, right? Like, yeah, he was a man of preparation, man, man of preparation. And he had that same uh, mindset as, as Jordan, where like, yo, when he went to, when he came to a town like Toronto, he knew that we only got to see him once a year. And he wanted to make sure he played at least a little bit, because even if he was injured, because he knows, a lot of that building is there. They saved up all their money just to see him for a couple of minutes, right? Oh, yeah. He wrote that in the book. LeBron doesn't do that. LeBron doesn't do that. Yeah, um, so, like, and then knock on him. LeBron has his own way of doing his things, and Kobe had mm-hmm. his own way. I'm not going to knock on that, but it shows what he cared about, right? Yeah, and that was in yeah. Vanessa Bryant's Hall of Fame speech, right? Yes, it was. Exactly. And what I love about Kobe Bryant, he's all about his fa- We got to see his family side after i think i never seen that until later later in his career um, in his career exactly and his daughter brought up like the enthusiasm for ball again and then um that makes me want to be a better person a better uncle like i have one niece and i want to be more involved on that like women's side like you know empowering them right and same, way, same with same you way. right you have a nieces too so um it just makes you want to be a better person i think that's yeah. what he Better person every day. Kobe didn't talk about being an ally for the WNBA. He just started being one. You know what I mean? Yeah. He realized his daughters were interested and he wanted to support their passion and he started doing it. He's a big reason why they started getting a little bit of notoriety more than they were already. And they've definitely taken further than they ever have. But Kobe needs to be recognized for that, man. He was a big, he was always there showing up a game, supporting players. That's huge, man. And not just, he just did it. He never meant it for... Yeah, he didn't do publicize. He never posted on social media. Like it no. was typically somebody else taking a picture of him watching and supporting. Yeah, 
And I think what else, Kobe? Like we can talk about Kobe forever. We should do. I think we should do one full Kobe episode with a Kobe fanatic, uh, eventually. Um, but like, I think his his, I guess his interest in other areas of his post basketball career was what intrigued me most about him. I think that would re- that made me get over the hump of liking him. <laughs> like you know, like in the latter stages of the career, like even during the four or five championships against Orlando and uh, Boston, like. I'm an East Coast guy. I'm always going to like those East Coast teams because they had to go to the Raptors, right? <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, but it it just, like, he's, he was great, right? He made those shots. Like, the one, I think the series against Denver, against Carmelo, he made, there are two series that resonates with me. The, the one against Nuggets, this is a post Shaq. So, one against Nuggets where he hit those two killer shots in, uh, in Denver. Like, in I Denver. can't remember who it was. But that was in game six. Um, and he also against Phoenix in game six, he did the same shot. It was from the right corner, right? Like mid corner in front of the coach, Alvin Gentry and George Carl. So he's got like, he's like, but, um, uh, and also he's just a funny guy. Like he's, he had his moments too, the, you know, the big balls, the Cojones moment, like, or amnesty that like he's a part of basketball culture. Like he's a part of my basketball up, upbringing. So and I can go through. Like on a, he also transcended the sport, man. Like he, yeah. you know, his episode is um, the commercials with uh, Kanye there. No oh, Kobe the- system, man. Of course. Oh man. That was legendary, bro. Like he had, he, was- he had great commercials. He had that. He had the one on TNT when he jumped over the car. He had the, you know, the Vogue photo shoot when he looked like a Amish guy. Um, there's so much things you can talk about Kobe, right? Um, yeah. And then now he left us a legacy. And I think Vanessa Bryant reached, uh, shared his new book uh, that he had influenced. Um, next part of his kids series. So, yeah, you can check that out on Amazon. I believe it's on, um, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, that I think on his... Kobe Day or Mamba Day, whatever. Man, rest in peace. Rest easy, Mr. Bean. Um, I know when I traveled to LA, those LA faithful, LA population, they love him. They, he's like, Jeter, if Jeter is to New York, he's to LA. Like, he is LA. And I, like, Magic Johnson was LA, but like, Kobe Bryant is a different type of like LA toughness. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. There's so much you could talk to. I think even one more thing to bring up on Kobe is like, we, we also, cause we were in Canada, right? So we didn't get as much footage from him. Cause it wasn't that social media. It wasn't that as much prevalent in as it is now, but like uh cabby and his interviews with Kobe still. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he's the only one, like it's funny it that it's cabby in interviewing Kobe. Like that resonates with us. We have no other, interviews that are funny like that yo so like, for cabby a kid from canada to you know have that ongoing relationship with uh kobe from the score days man yeah that was so cool wasn't it like a canadian kid is like joking around kobe bryant and you can see kobe like he was brash but he enjoyed it like he liked the back and forth so yeah it's like really- and it was like toronto canadian humor it was not like yeah. toronto humor actually like it just it's just funny uh, i think we all agree that it was 
like if you need to see those interviews go on to youtube is there under cabby's uh youtube page um so moving on from our mamba day a little uh our mamba day segment is to go i think we were going to plan to go to the argos game and have like argos trivia and um but um that thing called covid came and <laughs> infected all the edmonton elk um right and uh their game has been postponed i think going forward there could be some issues with some games uh, going forward which i hope doesn't happen it's um it's it's laughable that the league that took the absolute longest to restart mm-hmm. uh only operates in one country second week into the season starting has this that's just not a good look for the league bro like jeez it is it. time to sort this shit out yeah and i think i was talking listening on fan 590 is that um they have to play 85% of the games or they don't get their paycheck or like it's crazy like there's a minimum amount of games they have to play and collect a bargaining mm-hmm. agreement and then or else they won't get no money and that's on because they have to follow all the rules, the COVID rules, right? So the coaches, the coaching staff in front office has to make sure these guys don't, like, uh, go out and meet people. Like, they have to be strict on it. So it's really tough. It's kind of not, well, not, not, yeah, you're like you said, not a good look for the CFL. No, not at all. Unfortunate. But that's okay. We'll see. Um, we'll see how they bounce back from this. Um and you know, we maybe we can still do if we go to the game on Thursday for the Jays, we can do trivia from there. That'll be fine. Yeah, well, yeah, we will be heading to the fourth game of the Chicago White Sox and Blue Jays set. So we could go on live and maybe you can ask us some questions there. But we'll definitely get you some trivia on the IG page that we recently launched. Um, yes. So let's move on to that. Um, so we're finally on Instagram. We got our we got our logo finally made. Um, uh, she did a great job. Her name is, her company is called S. Kelsey. Um, she definitely, um, she's in the business of designer wear. Um, she has her own brand. She does sweaters, um, other type of um, like t-shirts, scarves, uh, I guess uh, face masks. Assorted fashion. Assorted women's fashion. <laughs> I think that's a better, I'm not, we'll have her on. Uh, in the near future and she can explain it thoroughly um, and she also um, she's also delving into the logo business or graphic design business aspect and we got her to do it and she was happily do it to do it um, and I the logo is out um, I call it the Shalajin logo it's very you know you know how NBA jersey have statement logos and uh, what's, it, what's the other one uh, statement edition earned edition <laughs> so we have that logo um my logo needs a little bit of updating um, just because it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's not unique. ready yet. It is unique. Yes. Um, <laughs> Work in progress. But yeah, that like shout out to her for doing it. Um, we're continually to go to upgrade and work, work on our social media game. So if you have any feedbacks or um, suggestions that, or if you want to be on the show, um, definitely reach out to the IG page or on Twitter. We're on Twitter too. Follow us at the GSP2. And 
You'll yeah. find us. You might find us there. You know, live tweeting during a game, and or uh, you know, bantering with other Twitter heads. <laughs> uh, but we have we'll, we'll put up some content over there. Um, yeah, and, and interact. Um, you know, tell us if you think our takes are ridiculous or you agree with them. Um, yeah, let's uh, we'll have some fun with it. Yeah, that's, I think that's what our point of our show is: have fun with it, learn about it, and um, and promote other people's businesses as well, right? So, if you want to be on a show, we'd love to have your sports take. So, if you want to talk about sports um, or any type of fandom relating to sports, yeah, give us a message and everything, and we'll be in touch. Um, but that's our show to, for today. Uh, it's been a and. It's been a, it's the dog days of August. I think the news cycle is kind of, sports cycle is kind of slow. We just have Blue Jays. Uh, and it's hot outside. <laughs> so, Brutally. Uh, so until then, our next episode, I hope you guys have a great week, a great weekend ahead. And um, that's it. Peace. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, have a great one. Bye now, guys.